0: Welcome to Locked on Bucks, I'm your host Kane Pittman alongside my good friend and friend of the podcast Mitchell Mara, once again for today's episode that is brought to you by Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. And Mitchell, of course, I, I do have to uh, mention as well. Mitchell obviously does great work over at Brewhoop dot uh, which you know, obviously Frank uh, played a big part of back in the day. But Mitchell, uh, I mentioned to you this to you before we started recording. But it's a good day to have an interest in the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: It is a good day to be a Bucks fan. You are right. Everything is coming up Bucks right now.
0: So Giannis, just in case. By the time you're listening to this podcast, if you did somehow miss the news, Giannis has been named the 2020 Defensive Player of the Year. I think we all expected that this was going to be the case. We figured that uh, he had enough votes that were going to take him to this award. But in the end, it really wasn't even close. When you look at the voting total votes, Giannis had, or total points, you get five points for a first-place vote, three points for a second-place vote, and one point for a third-place vote. Giannis had 432 points. Coming in second was Anthony Davis on 200 points. Giannis had 75 out of the 100 first-place votes. He was uh, well and truly, uh, you know, uh, well on the way almost to a unanimous defensive player of the year. As far as Brook Lopez goes as well, kind of surprising that some of the other players have got first-place votes. I'm sure we can touch on that. But he did finish with four votes for third place, which clearly is recognition for what he did defensively for this team as well. But Giannis, what more can you say about this guy? He's added a Defensive Player of the Year. If he wins MVP, as we certainly expect he is going to from the votes that we've seen come out, he would join Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon as the only players to win those two damn awards in the same season. This guy is ridiculous.
1: Uh, We're we're running out of words. I think I've said it on a previous appearance that with everything that has been said, everything that we have spoken or written or anything about Giannis and that we could still somehow take him for granted because of just how fundamental he is to the success of this Bucks team where, yeah, there's a lot of fans that might be, you know, concerned about, you know, Budenholzer's playoff rotations or minutes distributions or the fact that they dropped game one in the magic or whatever the case might be. But like this guy has not just, has he taken the league by storm and is firmly entrenched as the league's best player? Like he came from out of nowhere. He was a nobody that got drafted on, on a whim back in 2013. That was what, what's the, what's the phrase? He was two years away from being two years (laughs) away. And, and where is he now? He is at the very top of his powers at the, the pinnacle of the NBA. And, He's you know leading the Bucks through the postseason and hopefully all the way to uh, to the finals.
0: So we just got off uh, a Zoom call with Giannis and Bud, and I just you know we speak to Bud all the time, and and we see the way he reacts. And in general, Bud's uh, obviously had a lot to smile about over the last two years with how this team has played. But I'm not sure I've seen him look more proud than he was today of Giannis. Giannis obviously very complimentary of his teammates. And everyone else. But I saw a bunch of people tweet out something similar here. So I'm just going to read out the numbers and you could credit any number of uh, people that you wanted to that have tweeted out similar things. So if there's someone I've missed, that's probably more relative to the Bucks world. I apologize for that. But Josh uh, Eberly, I saw tweeted this out. So Giannis at 25 years old. And again, we're assuming here that he's going to win the MVP. I think that's a very safe bet. Uh, he has won two MVP awards, a Defensive Player of the Year, a Most Improved Player. He's a four-time All-NBA player, two-time All-Defense, uh, which basically is exactly the same as Michael Jordan at that age, except Jordan is missing an MVP, and obviously he won a Rookie of the Year instead of the Most Improved Player. I think that the, the big thing to me that stands out when we talk about the difference between NBA and 2020 and the social media era and how quick we are to criticize players as not being Uh, air quotes winners the point that at the end of this tweet that stands out for me is Jordan didn't even win his first championship for another two years and we're looking at Giannis and we see the criticism of Giannis and he can't win he's not a winning player you look at his resume for a guy that's only freaking 25 years old it is absolutely insane what we've been fortunate enough to watch the last couple of years or across his whole career I should say
1: yeah, it's I, I suppose it comes down to the, the old battle between process and results, and the process that Giannis followed to get to where he is today, just like the process that Michael Jordan. Let's let's just pause. We have to recognize the fact that we are talking about Michael Jordan <laughs> and Giannis Ananikumbo <Adetokounmpo laughs> in the same sentence, and it's a legitimate conversation. We're we're not we're not stretching. It's not the off season. We're not desperate for content to try to you know figure something out just to have something to talk about, like. This is an actual comparison at this point. And we haven't even talked about other greats like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or, or any, any of these other guys that have, that have come and gone. Uh, not that LeBron is gone, but you get my drift. But the fact that the comparison is even happening is astounding, to say the least. Uh, but to get back to the point um, – it's a it's a process, or a, a rather a results-based conversation that comes up, and you know, everybody puts so much emphasis on winning championships, getting rings, and finding that ultimate success. It's almost as if these other accomplishments don't matter. It's almost as if these other accomplishments are not steps along the way to an end goal, which is of course a championship. Um, and to to mention something else that you had talked about with Bud. And, and the kind of expression that he had during, uh, during Giannis' acceptance speech over Zoom. Um, it was very, very similar to the expression they had last year uh, during the awards show when Giannis uh, won his first MVP award. And I like to think that it's really because the two of them match up so well when it comes down to that mantra of using every day to get better. I think that's a big foundational part of Budenholzer's program, and how he structures everything with the team uh, and all the players, all the staff, everybody else. And I think that Giannis really embodies that. The fact that he does truly strive to get better every day. You know, he goes in for extra work whenever he can. He does all the little things right. He does the conditioning, the lifting, the nutrition. He does everything Right. And to see it rewarded with recognition on this level has got to feel really special, not just for Giannis, of course, because he put in all the work, but for Mike Budenholzer, who has had a huge role in helping guide him in this direction.
0: All right, let's get back to our show sponsor for today, MitchellRockAuto.com, because let's be honest, it's relevant. We hope that the Orlando Magic are jumping in on their cars uh, and driving home tomorrow after the game. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online. They've been doing it for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box today. they know we sent you. That's Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So one of the great parts of the acceptance, uh, I guess, interview, press conference, whatever you want to call it, came right at the start. And it was so funny. And if you can get back and check out the video of this, you absolutely have to do it. Uh, I'm not sure where that would be online, Twitter. I'm sure you could find it. But uh, the opening question came from our good friend, Matt Velasquez. And he said, how did you find out about winning defensive player of the year? And Giannis looked at Bud as if he was the child asking his father if he was allowed to do something. And he said, "He said, am I allowed to tell this story? And Bud said, yes, you can tell this story. And he said, after game four, uh, Bud uh, obviously revealed that, yes, you're going to win Defensive Player of the Year. So there was a big celebration in the locker room, and Bud actually jumped on a table in celebration. And then Bud turned around to Giannis and said, you're not allowed to tell that part of the story. And it was just a <laughs> hilarious thing to try and picture in your head Bud jumping up on the table celebrating. And I, I think, again, it goes to show, and it starts with Giannis, how he has led this team from the front. Uh, we speak all the time about how close this team is, how, how much they love being around each other, how much they love each other's company and, and each other's success more than anything. And to hear that, and again, we talk about Bud being proud. He was jumping on a table in the locker room after Game 4, celebrating his player, uh, winning Defensive Player of the Year, which I think for this Milwaukee Bucks team, the number one defensive team uh, in the league. Both Bud and Giannis spoke about Brook Lopez and the impact he's had, Eric Bledsoe, and what he's been able to do for this team. This is undoubtedly an award that Giannis absolutely 100% deserves. But it also feels to me that this, this team as a group takes this as a group award for the success they've had. And I, I just love it. I just love to see uh, how connected they all are once again. Not that we didn't already know it, but it's, it's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something that doesn't happen too often. Uh, especially in pro sports where everything can feel kind of transactional. Um, you know, Teams get put together you know, a lot more based on how they fit on the ledger with their salaries and how they fit you know, as people in, that are sharing a locker room and sharing a practice court and, and sharing planes and buses and everything else that comes with it, just sharing a bubble as it stands right now. Um, they're a remarkably close-knit group. Uh, you've been around the the team you know far more than I have. I did get a chance to to cover a couple of uh, games in Milwaukee back in November and even just getting a glimpse at the level of camaraderie that that these guys have achieved that's not just between the players like it's 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 everybody, everybody on the coaching staff you know Mike Budholzer himself it's it's It is a legitimately special thing to see that sort of of group dynamic at play it's yeah it's just really special to see
0: so uh, some numbers that i wanted to to run through here and I, I was in the process of looking through these numbers myself and then i have to admit i saw a tweet uh from uh, bucks film room now someone screenshotted a, a sort of a graphic uh, of some of the numbers for Giannis compared to some some of the other Defensive Player of the Year uh, candidates. And then uh, Bucks Realmer sort of quote tweeted and said, this looks familiar from an article that I may have done. So I want to give him credit because if it is certainly he's working from a story he did, uh, then, then he deserves the credit. And I'm sure it's probably a story worth reading. But uh, Giannis, as far as defensive win shares, 4.8. Anthony Davis down at 4.1. Gobert, 4. Brook Lopez, 3.9. Defensive box, uh, plus, minus. Giannis, 4.1. Then Anthony Davis, second at 2.8 with Brooke Lopez. So those defensive advance metrics were favorable in Giannis's, uh way, No doubt about that. But then rim field goal percentage against. Giannis, 51.7. Brook Lopez, we know, has been an absolute standout. And for the longest part of the season, actually, uh, it was Giannis, Brook Lopez, and Robin Lopez, the top three uh, there. So Giannis at 51.7%, Brook at 536 And then you have to go all the way up into the 60s for Davis and Gobert. And you can look at the same for effective field goal percentage, mid-range percentage, uh, points per 100 possessions is dominant in favor of Giannis and Brook as well. Uh, clearly, those two are an elite tandem, but there's really no number. You can look at and say that Giannis wasn't the defensive player of the year. I don't care what your narrative is. I don't care what you want to push in favor of the Lakers because they haven't won anything for a few years and everyone feels bad for them. There was nothing you could point to that suggested that Giannis wasn't the defensive player of the year this year.
1: Well, unless you want to go by steals per game or (laughs) blocks per game, which those are some really advanced stats, Kane. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's and and you pointed out the the difference, or rather the lack thereof, in a lot of the results between Giannis and Brooke Lopez in terms of their performance uh, guarding opposing players' shots at different places. Most importantly, you know, at the rim and mid range, and that is another sign that this really was a group effort. You know, I think it's fair to argue that without Brooke, there may have been no Defensive Player of the Year award for Giannis because those those metrics would not have been nearly as impressive without Brooke Lopez. If you replace Brooke with just the average NBA center, who I can't even the, – the way that the center position is right now, it's so weird. Like, there's either players that are, like, towards the top or, you know, complete, like, replacement-level players. I can't think of anybody who's just in the middle. But if, if you do replace Brooke with, with, you know, average center X – like, how, how much do those numbers change? Because, Giannis said it himself, Brooke always has his back, you know, no matter what, and really does make the zone drop coverage work in the Bucks' favor and let Giannis do what he does so well, playing free safety back on the weak side. Um, but I think that a lot of it also, you know, it's not on the staff, but it also goes to credits Eric Bledsoe and George Hill and Dante DiVincenzo and Pat Connaughton. You know, the effort that the guards – have been putting out, especially in their first-round series against Orlando, where the effort level in the backcourt had kind of waned. Uh, it wasn't necessarily consistent uh, during the restart in the bubble uh, or for game one, which the Bucks dropped. Uh, but when, when those guys on the perimeter are locked in and, and doing their part to, to force ball handlers into making a decision, you know that's what really makes the Bucks defense shine. And it wouldn't work if Brooke wasn't in the paint and Brooke being in the paint, maybe wouldn't work if it wasn't Giannis lurking on the weak side to, to, to just, you know, lock down half of the court on whichever side the ball isn't on. It's um, yeah, it's, it's a, a really special thing. Honestly, it's, it's hard to predict if we'll ever see it again. Like I know Giannis is only 25. It's hard to imagine him not be able to just do this forever, but this isn't forever. I think it's really important to, you know, enjoy this now because this is a, a really, impressive achievement
0: so it is important that you brought up his uh steal and block numbers now it's kind of ridiculous and insane and hilarious to think about all at the same time on a minutes per game basis Giannis this year 30.4 this is the lowest it's been since his rookie season even in his second year he played more minutes per game than this and you might say well of course he did he had jason Kidd as a coach of course he was playing more minutes (laughs) but uh, it is worth noting that he steals per game at one, and his blocks per game at one are also the lowest marks since his second season in 2014-2015. I think there's a couple of factors in that. No doubt, Brook Lopez is one of those, the guy that's generally in, in more of a position to to swat those shots. I also think it's a nod to Giannis as a defensive player that. Seriously, sometimes being great on the defensive end means that the opposition literally just avoid you. And I think we've seen a lot of that players just will not take Giannis to the basket. They don't even want to attempt it because they know they're going to get stuffed. And Giannis spoke about that, being proud of the fact that, sure, his individual numbers are down if you want to look at purely steals and blocks, but it hasn't changed his impact defensively on what he does for this team. And uh, you know he really appreciates that he still gets... Uh, credit for everything that he does outside of just steals and blocks. And listen, we're not in the nineties anymore. There's different ways to look at defensive players, and Giannis certainly fits that. Uh, one last thing before we move on to something else, I want to talk about here. Uh, I did ask uh, Bud about Giannis and the fact that you know pretty much any time you speak to these guys and you ask them a question, and it could be offense about the offensive side of the ball. It can be about their own game. Literally every single time they'll say, well, it's defense, it's this, it's defense. It's all about that. That's how we get things going. And I asked Bud what it's like to coach a guy that is just seriously never satisfied unless he's perfect on the defensive end. And he said, the drive to be the best, it's so special in Giannis. For someone to have that drive and focus on the defensive end of the court, to be as great a player as he is, so unique and special is very rare. And I I think that that's just the best way to wrap this up. This guy is special. This guy is rare. Frank always says it. We sometimes don't spend enough time talking about how great Giannis is. We get caught up in the moment. We get caught up in wins and losses and what the Bucs are trying to achieve this year. But despite the fact there is a game five tomorrow, uh, I, I think it was just really important for us to sit back and just talk about the greatness that is Giannis that we are watching here on a daily basis. Game five tomorrow. Uh, Of of course, there is still a series to wrap up here, a first-round series to get out of the way and hopefully move on to Miami, who are waiting for us. I just wanted to talk about something, and a couple of uh, our friends of the podcast, Seth Partnow and also Dean Maniart, uh, tweeted sort of similar things here. And Seth tweeted what the narrative would be or what the attitude would be towards the Bucs if they didn't lose game one and then win three straight. Uh, if they perhaps won the first two, then lost game three and then won game four? Would people look at this differently? Uh, because I, I do think that not just from national media and outsiders, I think from Bucks fans as well, it's been interesting. And I, I'm certainly guilty of it at times when you heard me talking on the show yesterday about the defense, things to be concerned about. I do think that the expectations have changed so greatly that we expect so much from this team that – They can win a playoff game by 15 points like they did yesterday, and we feel like we spent half the show talking about negatives of this team. They're 3-1 up in the first round. They had a disaster in game one. We accept that. But are we just too hard on this team and not accepting of the great things that we still are seeing from this team who really, in the last three games, have rolled on pretty comfortably?
1: The curse of having high standards is that whenever you don't meet those lofty standards... Uh, you know, criticism is going to come with it. That may not necessarily be fair or evenly applied, but it just sort of is like the, the bucks are, they they don't just play like they're the big kids on the block. They carry themselves, but they're the big kids on the block. It's not uh, any sort of like arrogance or hubris. It just, is they're the best regular season team in the league. They were one of the best teams in the playoffs last year, and they ran into the Toronto Raptors at the worst possible time for a number of reasons that we've you know diced apart ad nauseum. But this is a truly special basketball team, and when they perform, and you ha- you see outcomes like we saw in Game One that don't line up with that narrative, it is cause for concern. Um, it's also, I think, a big part of it right now is that there's an awful lot of people in the world that still kind of have cabin fever because we're all cooped up. A lot of us are still mm-hmm. working from home and not able to, you know, go about the normal parts of our lives. Like, I can tell you when the last time I was able to pick up a basketball, um, I, they, the, my city might be reinstalling the outdoor hoops sometime next week, which I'm very excited about. That's just a little personal note for me. Uh, <laughs> and also maybe accountability now that it's immortalized on the pod They'll actually, you know, get up and do it. But when the Bucks lose, it's it's going against what we're building them up to be. We're building them to be this, you know, gargantuan buzzsaw that no team can resist. That's all. You know, the house always wins. The Bucks are the house because they're playing the numbers game. And and when they lose, it's just it leaves people grasping at straws, trying to find answers. And so I think to your point, yeah, the narrative would be much different if the loss came in the middle of the series or if it was, you know, what, what what's the phrase? A gentleman's sweep. If it was, you know, you go 3-0, lose one, then win the last one, you know, just to give the other team a game, which is just polite. Uh, but it also came on the heels of some really disappointing and lackadaisical play in the bubble. And yes, we, you know, we were very clearly told, if not outright, it was at least an indication that the Bucks weren't playing for their record, they weren't playing for seating, they were playing to keep guys healthy and to get guys conditioned for the playoffs. And you know, the first round is technically the playoffs, but this this series matters a lot less than the series that's in all likelihood coming up against the Miami heat who already won their first round series in a sweep. And so I think that if you give people a void, they will fill it with whatever they can. And there's a lot of negativity in the world right now. So it's easy, you know, even for bucks fans who are, let's just say notorious with uh, their ability to spin things for the negative. Not, not, not that they don't have reason to historically, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, it's just people are having a rough, rough time right now. And I think that is a big part of it. I think the bucks, very clearly not caring about the seeding games and not caring about anything other than keeping dudes healthy and getting everybody geared up so that they can really hit the ground running at the exact right time, which I think they're doing. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to, to view things with that wider perspective game to game when you're kind of living and dying with, with every day.
0: Yeah, the Bucs not going for a gentleman sweep. Uh, Shout out to our our no-dunks friends, but they're going for the douchebag sweep. They give up the first game and then win the next four. The Lakers also looking to get that done. But I think it is interesting. First of all, we can't compare this season to last just because the the actual situation is so different. But I will say I think that last year the Bucs came into the postseason like an absolute buzzsaw. They're like, we haven't won a series. We are going to destroy the Detroit Pistons. This is over. We're not even going to give you a sniff. I think they were up by 30 points in the second quarter in game one and never looked back. This year, clearly, you know whether it's the right approach, whether it, it works out for the best, we don't know. But clearly, they've come into this postseason playing the long game a little bit. And they understand that. Yeah, we, we've won a playoff series now. We've got out of the first round. It, it doesn't matter. Like, what happened? It, it's, it's, That's not our goal. Our goal no longer is to win one playoff series. And, you know, I, I like I said, I need to take some uh, blame for this as well if we are throwing blame around for perhaps being a little too critical because I did tweet yesterday in response to, uh, again, I think it was Bucks Filmer and he threw out some numbers and I said, yeah, listen, it's going to be hard for me to be too impressed uh, with defensive numbers against the Magic, but maybe that was a little bit harsh of me. So here's some numbers that I've looked up, playoff rankings among the teams so far. So the Bucks are third in defensive rating at 102.9, which is very good, but the last three games, their defensive rating is 99, so that is obviously elite. And that's a number that we would expect this number one ranked defense to post against an Orlando Magic team that is depleted. Opposition points in the paint, 27 points in the paint that is number one by a mile in the last three games that's down to 23.3 so this bucks team has really found its defensive identity that is who they are and you can complain about that you can be upset but if they shut down the paint they give themselves the best opportunity that even if a team shoots 19 threes as the magic did the other night and let's be honest you're going to be very, very hard-pressed for a team to knock down more threes than 19. But the fact that they shut down the paint meant that they won the game by double digits either way. Uh, a couple of other numbers. Opposition points off turnovers. I think this has been something that's been of concern for the Bucs when we've looked at the turnovers per game. We've felt that they've been a little bit sloppy. 17.8 is the second worst out of all playoff teams thus far. So not great. But... During the regular season, they gave up 17 points per game off turnovers, which was the worst in the league. So it's actually not that different when you compare those numbers uh, and uh, in the regular season, they were uh, committing 15 turnovers per game, which ranked uh, 20th there as well. So they are perhaps more than we sort of remember. Uh, can be turnover-prone at times and certainly can give up uh, points off turnovers in those situations, particularly when it is those passes that gives away those transition baskets. So certainly when you're playing a team, as you go down, as the competition gets better, you want to tidy those things up and you don't want to give away those turnovers that have appeared a little bit lazy, a little bit lackluster. But I think overall... Uh, the Bucks have found their defensive identity again. They've really locked down. And I think that has come with them, perhaps whether or not it was a wake-up call, I'm not sure in game one, but it certainly allowed them to flip a switch and say, okay, now we're back defensively. And we're playing the way that we play de- defense. Clearly, uh, you know, the, the three-point shot, as we discussed yesterday with Frank, is going to be a talking point moving forward. But if they're so dominant in the paint... It again. It's going to be difficult. We saw it the other day. Nineteen threes—the magic made—and they still lost by double digits without the Bucks feeling like they went berserk offensively themselves.
1: Yeah, I actually, we did a and A Q&A between uh, Brew Hoop and the SB Nation affiliate for Orlando, the uh, Orlando Pinstripe Post. And one of the questions that they asked is, "Well, if Giannis is getting his points in the paint and the Bucks are hitting threes, like what are what are defenses supposed to do against the Bucks?" And there's nothing that you there's nothing you can do. That's that's exactly what the Bucks are designed to do, is to bludgeon you inside and to put up enough shots that go in from outside. And you know, the, the shots at the rim and the fouls that they draw. I think Giannis leads the league in fouls drawn. Uh that those are the easiest, most efficient points that you can get. And then on the flip side, they, they do the same thing. Yeah, they give up threes on defense because they're willing to accept a three pointer from an average or worse shooter. Uh, looking at you Gary Clark but you know the 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 points at the paint and points earned at the foul line are exactly the ones that the Bucks make their hay off of and the ones that they don't want their opponents to make hay off of and so if you're stuck with you know taking the most difficult path to try and reduce a deficit or try to tie things up like there's only so many times if you reran the game like a simulation a 100,000 times like how many of those would actually see you know the magic make enough shots to even things out like it's a, it's an infinitesimally small number it can happen but it usually doesn't and that's it's it's just another way that the bucks established the dominance because they you know maybe the the system is rigid maybe it doesn't uh, demonstrate the kind of flexibility that say the Toronto Raptors demonstrates on their defensive schemes but you know they they shut down the areas that they know they need to shut down and when they execute as they have been for the last four games in the series it just works and they win by double digits and everybody goes home happy
0: so game five 3 p.m central time as i sort of said yesterday it's almost like you can get a bit of a sleep in with a 3 p.m game it's absolutely unbelievable the players will be happy about that Is there anything in particular you're looking for here other than a win and move on? Uh, I I did mention it yesterday, given the way these series are are playing out and how quickly they they got the the Celtics-Toronto series going, which is coming up on Thursday, I do suspect that game one, if the Bucks take care of business, would be on Friday or Saturday. Now, clearly, they can't afford to look forward. Uh, You don't want to give Orlando any life in this series, but what in particular... Are you looking for here? Is it as simple as Chris Middleton continuing to look good? Because I, I think you know, for all Bucks fans, the fact that he was able to knock down some shots in the fourth quarter probably made you walk away feeling uh, more than anything else pretty pretty good about this team from Game Four.
1: Yeah the uh, the the torches and pitchforks across Bucks Twitter uh, with the portion of the fan base that doesn't like the fact that he got paid the value that the free agent market was going to get him paid, really no matter what happened with this season. Uh, that, that crowd was getting pretty riled up by the time the fourth quarter started, but after the fourth quarter ended, everybody could relax a little bit because that's the kind of Chris performance that we're expecting to see, especially in the playoffs. Uh, with regards to what to expect in game five, yes, getting a win and moving on with the series is important. I think that uh, having a steady... Consistent game from Chris Middleton will be huge. Uh, I actually want to see a a pretty steady uh, level of contribution from Eric Bledsoe because you know he's going to be absolutely massive in the Miami series, uh, trying to corral the shooters and scorers that they have on the perimeter. Um, And really, it's – because the playing styles between the Orlando Magic and the Miami Heat are are so different and and what their teams are, you know, skilled at, what their what their strengths are. I want to see the Bucks continue to take things seriously, you know, it just as we always hear in every, you know, media session, every uh press conference like they're taking things one day at a time, just looking to get better. You know, Bud says that in his uh monotone delivery, which actually makes me uh, chuckle a little <laughs> bit every time I hear it. But that's true. That's, that's what they need to focus on doing. Um, and they just need to make, I guess the, the one thing that I want to see is I want to see the team make good decisions. And that's one of the things that we haven't seen as consistently as we want to from particularly from Eric Bledsoe and from Giannis. You know, I, he just, okay, C- calm down, cat. Uh, <laughs> Because we we've seen Giannis for all of the accolades that he deserves, he still makes a couple of just really confusing decisions when he's got the ball in his hands. Whether it's choosing to drive into a wall that he's you know he can get past just about anything, but he can't get past everything, or some of the pull-up threes that he takes. That uh, it wasn't necessarily a problem in Game Five, but previously when the Bucks were down, I think it was in game one, where, where him and Eric were both taking pull-up threes that just were way too early, off balance. Like, they're trying to get it all back at once. And I've, I've seen a little bit of that, and I don't think that the margin for error against the Heat is going to allow for those two in particular to make the same kinds of decisions that, honestly, they have the, the wiggle room to make I guess it's magic team. That's really the one thing that I want to look
0: for. It seems perfectly reasonable to me. I think overall we've spoke about uh, valuing possessions. We've spoke about valuing uh, the ball when it is in your hands. So, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and as I pointed to earlier, funnily enough, uh, those turnover numbers aren't too far off where they were in the regular season, but you'd still like to see that come back. So game five, 3 p.m. central time. As I said, the Bucks looking to clean up the series here and move on to Miami. But uh, most importantly, today of all things, Giannis Defensive Player of the Year for twenty twenty. Mitchell, this was fun just to talk about Giannis for about twenty minutes straight. There, uh, I really enjoyed that. I could probably do that most days.
1: Hey, my calendar is wide open. You just let me know where and when, and I'll be right there.
0: All right, so we will be back after Game Five, hopefully in a good mood. Hopefully with some sort of eye to when the next series is going to start and we'll be able to celebrate another first-round series win. Uh, As I pointed to earlier, we are hard on this team at times because we do have such great expectations, but come on, uh, for so long we would have been desperate for a series win, so hopefully uh, they can wrap that up tomorrow. In the meantime, as always, as I always say these days, stay safe out there and we'll speak to you guys then.